NFL Week 14 recap. Let's get to it. The Huddle Podcast begins right now. What's good, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Huddle Podcast brought to you by the Sideline Network. I'm alongside Matt. No Rich today. And we're going to start off with Cowboys-Eagles. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, we're poor today. No Rich. Yeah, exactly. I really wish he was here because I want to see the pain in his eyes at how horribly his Eagles have performed this season and how far they have fallen from their Super Bowl. They are a sorry excuse for a title contender. The Philadelphia Seagulls, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in this specific game, I genuinely thought that the Eagles were going to beat Dallas because I still believed that at some point Philly was going to turn it around and just have a good enough offense like so many of the other elite offensive teams in the league that they'd beat people that way. And they just haven't done that. And Dallas seems like they're legitimately good even though I spent most of the year believing that they were terrible. But the splits are really important. And for me, for Dallas, yes, Ezekiel Elliott, yes, pass rush. But what it really comes down to is Dak Prescott's performance. Because when you have an O-line that can get you five yards of carry and a running back who can extend that even further, and then you have a defense that comes together in the way that this Dallas front seven has in the second half of the season— And then you spend a first-round pick on a guy that I myself did not believe was worthy of a first-round pick, Amari Cooper. Now you've invested. Everything has come together. The only thing left is Dak Prescott. And to look at his numbers before the Week 8 bye compared to after the Week 8 bye, and then in, in the last few games since the Amari Cooper trade, it's night and day with Prescott. Because he spent the first half of the season... First eight weeks, his highest completion percentage was 65%. His highest yardage total was 255. And he had almost as many interceptions as touchdowns. After the bye, it's not even close. His lowest completion percentage was 67, followed by 72, 68, 70, 85, and 77. He just threw for 455 yards against Philly. He's over 200 yards every single game in the second half of the season and has only thrown three interceptions since the break. The guy is playing like a legit star quarterback, and now he has the weapons and the defense to make something happen. If he continues to play this way, Dallas is going to be a real threat in the NFC playoffs. Yes, they are. I'm actually really pumped that you did this whole Dak Prescott thing because I myself did research on Prescott, uh, mainly just because I wanted to rub it in Richard's face a little bit. Um, and I actually wanted to go in a different direction and ask, I was going to ask the group collectively, but since it's just you, I'm going to ask you as now this question would have been absurd last year and it would have even been kind of absurd midway through maybe the first half of this season going forward. Who would you rather have Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott? You know, my answer to that question is Dak Prescott. Well, I knew your answer was Dak Prescott a couple years ago. Yes. I didn't know if it had changed. That's why I'm, I'm bringing it up again, because I think it's relevant. 
I would still take Dak Prescott. Okay, I would too. And originally, I I was I would have said Wentz until I actually did a deep dive in the numbers. And Prescott is second in regular season wins since 2016. Of all quarterbacks? Of all quarterbacks. You want to take just a gamble at who he's behind? Brady. Yeah. By three wins. Brady has 33. Prescott's got 30. Roethlisberger is right behind him at, like I think, 28 or 27. That's pretty impressive. I didn't realize that. Prescott has 13 game-winning drives. You want to guess how many Wentz has? Zero. Four. Because Nick Foles stole them all. <laughs> <laughs> Prescott's QBR in those 13 game winning drives is 83. Wentz is 60. Now, I will give Wentz this. Last season, the Eagles were pretty much ahead for the majority of the season. Yeah. When he was starting. So I, I, I try and take that into account a little bit, but it's still startling that Dak Prescott is three wins shy of Tom Brady since 2016. It's incredible to me the roller coaster ride that has been Carson Wentz. I shit on him the entire draft. I said it was complete idiocy that the Eagles took him, that he was going to be trash. I maintained through his rookie year that I didn't think he was very good. I wasn't impressed. He has this MVP caliber second season and then gets hurt. And then early in the season, I used injuries as a reason why I wasn't worried about Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz. Watson got back to form. Carson Wentz has not. He has not returned at all to the player that he was last season. And it really seems like offensive scheme is the difference. It wasn't him. It was the two guys that are now no longer with the team that drew up these offensive plays and and worked it to his benefit. And they also had a run game last year, which makes a tremendous difference as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, off pod, Rich and I have discussed this topic, um, and he believes that it's Doug Peterson's fault as to why Carson Wentz does not look like Carson Wentz did last year. I mean, we all kind of agree now that Peterson is clearly not the coach that we thought he was after no, the Super Bowl run. Not at all. I think we we all. I mean, you and I took collective L's on that last year, and, and both said we were wrong about him. He's clearly. A genius. And then it turns out we were right. It was yeah, his, yeah, exactly. It was his, it was his coordinators. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to backtrack a little bit, I would still take Prescott because A, Prescott doesn't have any injury history. B, he's a big dude. He's a he is an he is a big athlete. Dak Prescott is a large man. What was he like six four? He's six five, I'm pretty sure. He's I think five. he's Cam Newton's size. Okay. But he just and me and Wentz is a big guy too. But watching the two of them, Prescott looks like he looks big on the field. Carson Wentz looks like Alex Smith. He looks like he's <laughs> gonna get broken in two, and that worries me. And the fact that he hasn't be able, been able to create offense this year, you know, for lack of a running game, worries me because it's not like he doesn't have weapon. They went out and got him Golden Tate. Golden Tate's barely even involved in the offense. Yeah, you Carson Wentz can't find the guy. No. You know, like Amari Cooper goes from, you know, we thought he was a middle of the road number two wide receiver 
and he goes to Dak's team, and all of a sudden he's a stud. Golden Tate goes from being the number one option for Matt Stafford, shows up in Philly, and he's a ghost. So Wentz's numbers this season, he's thrown for 21 touchdowns, seven picks, a little over 3,000 yards. So while those numbers aren't alarmingly bad by any means, no, let's let's be let's be fair about it. It's beyond numbers at this point, though. Right? No, it's 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 just that he doesn't look. He looks gun shy. Yeah, on the field, like he looks like he's he's hesitating. I think you're right. I think you've hit the nail on the head on the big difference between his style last year and his style this year. His last year when he rolled out of the pocket and, and, and escaped pressure, he was he looked like Favre. He was firing the ball. He doesn't care whether or not you're playing good defense. He's putting the ball where he wants, and he's going to make a play happen. This year, he looks like he's overthinking it, and it's really resulting in some poor play when they need him to be superhuman, to be good enough to make the playoffs. Right. And the other thing, too, though, is the Eagles team as a whole is a disaster. They're not making the plays that they made last year. The defense especially. Oh, my God. The defense is atrocious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you zoom out and you look at both teams as a whole for a second, because we basically just spent that whole time talking about Prescott and Wentz. Right. I think coaching is poor on both sides Mm. Um, to to a pretty egregious level for two teams that should be contending, one that just won a Super Bowl and one that should be contending for one. The one thing that hurts my soul about Dallas playing well is that it means Jason Garrett's going to get like a lifetime contract. He is going to be there forever, Dan. I am sorry. I am so <laughs> sorry. I know all you wanted for Christmas was for the Clapper to get fired. He needs to go. I, it, but unfortunately, that it, especially if they win a playoff game, it's it. I mean. He'll be there until Prescott leaves. I can't wait to see the gridiron heights if the Cowboys win a playoff game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because That's going to be fantastic. His character is just going to be like, it's just going to be him and Jerry and like champagne and, and, and like sex toys and, and, and in the press box or something like that. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. But... The Cowboys look legitimately good, and I didn't think that they were capable of that because, not because they didn't have the talent. They've always had the talent. I mean, preseason, I one of my predictions, and we're going to talk about this, was that Zeke was going to have his career breakout season, his break a couple of records kind of season this year, and that has not been close to true. And he's still been product. He's still been good. Oh, absolutely. But you couldn't tell the difference between him and Saquon the first seven weeks of the year. Because they were both obviously way too good for the rosters they were playing on. Right. But still, because everything else was so bad, they weren't getting a chance to be dominant. And then all of a sudden, both of them just started, you know, like Saquon started destroying people. But Zeke's really kind of just doing the same thing he's been doing all year. He's been steady, you know. So it's not like I feel horrible about it. It's not going to be in my list of predictions I wish I could take back. Right. But the thing that has really surprised me about the Cowboys this year has been the, the way the defense turned around, you know, because as much as I thought Zeke was going to be better and and eventually the passing game got better the way we thought it was going to be early in the year, but I just didn't have any faith in that defense. And all of a sudden they're one of the only reliable defenses in the league. And, and as I've said all year, defense literally doesn't matter week to week because every team is different every week, but the Cowboys seem to be stabilizing that into the ball a little bit. 
Philly, on the other hand, should probably rebuild. Are you saying on both sides of the ball or just defense? On both sides of the ball. Okay. Um, If there's any hope for Wentz, it's going to have to come from solid draft picks and a couple of free agents. They might have to do, like, really, can you imagine if Wentz had Amari Cooper right now? The way that Amari Cooper's played for Dak? I mean, not that, I mean, Golden Tate hasn't fixed anything for him, but I don't know. Maybe Golden Tate's not the right type of weapon. I, maybe, I don't know. I, maybe we were overvaluing Golden Tate in Detroit, but I mean, because it's a weird equation, right? Because then you're saying Matt Stafford is actually the reason that Golden Tate was so good in Detroit. Maybe, maybe, but then that makes Matt Stafford that much better than Carson Wentz. Again, maybe, and that makes Dak Prescott that much better than Carson Wentz. Like that's a scary proposition right there. But maybe it's true. I mean, maybe Wentz last year was lightning in a bottle. He had like his really great he had like an rg3 season where it was it was a comet it came and now it's gone and i don't want to think that way i really don't because i like carson Wentz. i loved watching him play last year i liked him out of the draft but he is just not he just doesn't he doesn't look healthy and maybe he's not i mean we all know that peterson rushed him back this season, well, because they were in so much trouble. Well, I know to start they were the in year. so much trouble to start the se- the year, but it, but it could be an Aaron Rodgers situation where we're we're watching early. we're watching Wentz, mm-hmm. and he's playing at you know 80 percent. Hey, you remember that time that Richard was like, "Carson Wentz is going to start the first game of the season." I follow I follow my team. I know what's going on. Well, yeah, he also said Tyrod Taylor is like a top ten quarterback, didn't he? Oh man, should we just do all of the things that Richard was wrong about in our <laughs> in our review later? No, 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 that's okay. Yeah, so I, things are looking pretty bleak for the Eagles. <laughs> I'm excited for for the Cowboys and what they can bring to the table in the NFC East because I really thought that whoever came out of that division was just going to be a walkover game, but if it's and it looks like it is, if it's Dallas, I think it's going to be a tough out. Especially with that defense. Yeah. It's it's going to be fun. So let's move on. We'll talk uh, the other exciting game of the weekend, which was uh, the Bears and the Rams. I can't say enough to you how uninteresting this game was. And, to, to watch? And I, and I lied. I also may have watched most of this game. <laughs> so, well, so how can you say that this game was uninteresting? Was like it was uninteresting to you leading up to the game, or are you watching the game? Oh no, I was very interested in it leading up to the game. And Is then it because I watched the game? It was all defense. I hated it. It's not even just that it was all defense. Don't get me wrong. The Bears' defense, in and of themselves, is fun to watch, and they're probably the only unit in the league that you can say that about, just because of Khalil Mack. However, the quarterback play on both sides of this game was so abhorrent, so horrendous, it was almost as if I was watching Blake Bortles play ping pong against himself. Every single bit of it was so bad that I I turned it off. So, a few things. One, I love watching Mitch Trubisky play quarterback. He's, to me, he's exciting. 
He's exciting to watch because you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, please, find, please elaborate because oh, I just find him. Ex- I find him fun to watch. I'm not a Bears fan, so for me, I don't care if they win or lose. I just enjoy watching him play. I think we saw we saw Sean McVay get out coached, which shocks me because I, I didn't think that that was possible. And, and maybe again, we've overhyped this guy, and, and by we, I mean everybody. Mm-hmm. And he's never won anything. He's no. yet to win a playoff game. And I'm not I'm not poo-pooing him whatsoever. I'm just saying, like, we've really overhyped this guy. His play calling in that game was abysmal. You give the ball to Todd Gurley less than 10 times, what the hell are you doing? Right. How do you how do you negate the kind of pressure that a defense like the Bears puts on your quarterback? You run the ball. It also showed that Jared Goff has a lot of limitations. Oh, I have long been on the Sean McVay makes Jared Goff what he is bandwagon. I Oh, I am too. But I'm just saying this game really highlighted that. It really did. And it also showed... I think what it showed is that Sean McVay has a very specific type of offensive creativity. They line up in pretty much the same set every single time. And then they run variations based on that set. So they're one tight end, one back, three wide receivers. You know, Goff is either under center or a step back. Go. You know, and I think that at some point when you're playing a defense that is advanced the way that the Bears defense is advanced, that eventually it becomes easy or easier to game plan against when you're not changing your sets. Yeah. Even if you're doing creative things out of those sets. And I don't think we can understate, because the Rams offense has looked poor basically since Cooper Cup went down for the season. Yeah. I don't think we can understate how important Cooper Cup is for that team. And his rapport with Jared Goff is a big part of why they're so successful offensively. And I'm not trying to play prisoner of the moment here, but I think the Rams are in big trouble. Agreed. If they don't get at least a home playoff game, they're in deep shit. They could be a first-round exit. I mean, the reality of it is, the way this year has gone, anybody could be a first-round exit. Is there... Well... Never mind. I'll save that for later. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, so I, was, I thought it was really terrible. Like, I really didn't enjoy the game at all. I don't. I still don't understand why you wouldn't give the ball to Todd Gurley just 20 times. We don't have to spend a lot of time in this game. I just want to say that I feel like it. that game proved my point from a couple of weeks ago when you and I were kind of arguing, and I was talking about how, you know, I think teams with a good defense can, like the Bears, could make a run in the playoffs. And I think that what you're seeing with the Cowboys and what you saw with the Bears – is that defense can still win in this league. Like, we haven't... I know early on the offensive output that's been going on with a lot of these teams with the Saints, the Chiefs, you know, and I get that, and the Rams early on as well. Mm-hmm. But I really think we're starting to see now that that defense can still win a championship. I'm not saying that it's going to be the Bears, and I'm not saying it's going to be the Cowboys, but I am saying that there's a lot of teams that don't want to see those defenses come the postseason. No, you're right about that. However, 
I would say that it's going to be very difficult given the quarterbacks that play for those teams. And because like I said, if, if Prescott can continue to play this way, if Trubitsky can be an above average quarterback and not turn the ball over a ton, these teams have a chance because their defenses are that good. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to this season, and I'm not saying it's going to be like this next year, and I'm not saying it was ever like this before, but this year especially, I, there's never once a defense that I believe in week to week. Because next week, the Cowboys defense could go out and get absolutely slaughtered, and all of a sudden you're like, what happened? Well, they are playing luck, so you never know. My point exactly. It could happen. Whereas then the Jacksonville defense that's been getting slaughtered all year shut out Luck two weeks ago. Right, right. But then Luck might turn around against the Cowboys defense that we're praising as one of the best units in the league right now and put up 40 on them. You, There's no certainty on that side of the ball this season. And it really looks like the team that can keep its shit together offensively long enough, keep that freight train running at 160 miles an hour down the track, is going to probably be the one that gets to go to the Super Bowl. That's fair. Real quick, and then we'll move on. Uh, since we're talking about the Bears, we and it might not have been the last podcast. One of the one of the last few podcasts we had talked about how maybe Frank Reich might be coach of the year. Do you think Matt Nagy might actually be the coach of the year? I think if the Bears continue on this trajectory, I think if they beat Green Bay again, because um, they play Green Bay the last week of the season. I think so. Um, I think that. In that, because it's really unfortunate that you don't get to take any part of the playoffs into consideration when it comes to coach of the year and, and MVP voting and all that stuff. Like, I really wish that it was an award that encompassed all of that because I think it would make it more interesting. But if you if you look at this, no, I'm sorry, they play Green Bay next this weekend, Sunday. Oh, okay. So they've got Green Bay, San Francisco, and Minnesota left. I honestly think that they win all three of those games. I think. Minnesota is actually really bad now. Finally. I've come full circle on that. So I'm going to get my bottle of Jameson? San Francisco. And they missed the playoffs? Yeah. I'm going to have Richard <laughs> give it directly to you. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Me. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> but, um, but I just think that if they can do that and, and finish 12-4 and four without a real starting quarterback... I think that you have to give it to Nagy, right? Like, well, is, is there if, anybody else that could get I mean... If Matt Nagy gets it, he should cut off the trophy in half and give the other half to John Gruden for giving him Mac. And then when Dallas does it, <laughs> Dallas makes the playoffs. Exactly. They'll give him, like... They, they'll, they'll, are they all right Gruden, Gruden an honest checks? Ring. Yeah. <laughs> ring of honor inductee John Gruden traded Mari Cooper and Khalil Mack. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. More on, more was... on Gruden later, I promise. <laughs> I just, the Rams are in trouble because it looks like McVay has reached the end of his bag of tricks. I don't know that there's another, and, and that's the real question, right, is is there another level you can get to to move your team forward? Because we do see this some years with some teams where a team will be hot all year and then they'll taper off and we'll start sleeping on them. And then all of a sudden the playoffs come and they're unlocked. The Patriots do it all the time. Right. The Patriots do it all the time. I'm worried about it happening this year. The Pats kind of suck right now. 
But then by the second round of the playoffs, you might be like, how did we ever count out Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? We did it last year. We did do it last year. You know, so, so it's it's not every year they're going 15 and one and and right. you know stomping the league, you know. So I think there's still a chance for the Rams to turn it around, but it's going to be harder without Cooper Cup, and it's going to be even more difficult um, if they don't give the ball to Todd Gurley. Duh. Fair enough. All right. So best win of the weekend. What do you got? Or best wins if you'd like. If you have more more than one. No. I, I th- you know, I have a lot of best wins from this weekend, to be honest with you, but my favorite one was the... Don't steal mine. Kansas City over Baltimore. Okay, good. You didn't steal mine. Just because it was a moment where if Mahomes had not converted the fourth and fourth and seven or whatever, the fourth and nine, rather, and they lose the game... It wouldn't have. Hurt. No one would have been hurt. It wouldn't have been. It wouldn't. It probably wouldn't have hurt his MVP odds. It probably wouldn't have hurt his, everybody's conversation about him in terms of his season this year and and what the Kansas City Chiefs outlook is. We know any team could fall any week mm-hmm. at this point, but I think that the fact that he took that moment, not only him but Andy Reid, to show their chops late in a game that they very easily could have lost, and to come through in the clutch. I think that's a big confidence boost for them going forward into the playoffs. And I think it solidifies Andy Reid's place as a top head coach because that is the greatest criticism that we've had of him is his end-of-game management. He was trying to blow it. You saw him trying to blow it. He was working in his head. But he, <laughs> you know, the voice is in his head. He beat him back, and he, and he kept sane, and they made it happen. And, and Pat Mahomes, you know. He's pretty magical. He's got a he's got a pretty pretty deep hat pulling out a lot of rabbits, and it was impressive. And they're still healthy. I loved it, man, because the Ravens played a hell of a game. Lamar Jackson is a good starting quarterback. He's better than Joe Flacco. He's okay. He he still can't throw the ball. His he he still can't throw the ball. I watched a lot of that game. Yeah, he can't throw the ball. But he is better than Joe Flacco right now. Uh, my best win, and it, it may seem like a homer pick, is the Colts beating Houston because that was huge. Yeah, they had to win. Yeah. And it also helped that the Chiefs won because now they're still in. They're back in it, at least for the wild card. They have an opportunity anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the other, the other one I would say is the Cowboys beating the Eagles because – if the Cowboys lost that game, I think the Cowboys would have missed the playoffs. And I know that sounds weird, but I feel like the psyche of, of Dallas in general is if you start talking them up, they let you down. And in this case, they didn't. There was all that hype. You guys are favored. You're at home. You should beat the Eagles. That's usually the time when Dallas completely crumbles. And they didn't. I have to tell you, my other best win. Go ahead. Cleveland over Carolina. Wow. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, man. Hey, I you already know how I feel about him. He so. was he was near flawless. 
He was near flawless. I mean, it wasn't a big stats game. It wasn't a Baker came out. No. But literally everything that he wanted to do and chose to do on that field, he did it and it worked. And it, and it went exactly according to plan. Now, that might speak as much to Carolina's deficiencies as to the Browns' abilities. But Baker Mayfield alone was very impressive in that game. Well, I mean, you can't sleep on what Mayfield has done since Hugh Jackson has been fired. Yeah. I mean, it's just it it just it is what it is at this point. I mean, and and also I think Mayfield has proven that he was the right number 1 overall. Yeah, I I think I think I can see some justification. I still think Darnold has an opportunity to prove that he should have been number 1. Um, but nobody's solidified their draft position more than Saquon Barkley this year. Agreed. I mean, I don't think any team that would have drafted Saquon Barkley would be upset. No. So, I mean, even if Cleveland took him, which would have been absurd, but even if they did take him, they wouldn't be upset. No. And you can't be. With the way he's trucking people, you can't be. Worst win of the week. What do you mean worst loss? No, worst win. Worst win? The team that won, but you feel the worst about it. Are you going to say Miami? No. I'm going to say the Chargers. What? Barely beating the Jeff Driscoll-led Cincinnati Bengals. Not only did they look like trash in this game and squeak it out. That's your worst win? But they lost Austin Eckler. So now they are without Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, which really hurts me in fantasy, but also is not good for this matchup coming up this week. The Chargers are in trouble, man. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. I am worried about L.A. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that they are capable of really genuinely making noise in the playoffs. And I know that you've been picking them all year. I know they were your dark horse. But they're about to play Kansas City, Baltimore, and Denver to end the season. Yeah, so they'll win two out of three. I'm not so sure, man. I mean, Kansas City's definitely going to beat them. Yeah, I said they'll win two out of three. Baltimore just almost beat Kansas City. Yeah. The Ravens can beat them. Yeah, maybe. Is the Ravens game at home or is it away? Home. Home for... home for At KC, home Baltimore, at Denver. Yeah, they'll and win two at, out of three. At Denver is not an easy win either. Because when Denver plays at home this year, for whatever reason, they're absolute garbage on the road. But when they play at home this year, they've been decent, even though Case Keenum doesn't have anybody to throw to anymore. He's got two rookies starting at wide receiver. But if Phil Lindsay gets a 150 yards and a couple of scores and Denver defense plays well, there's a chance for them to at least keep that game close. The Chargers are in trouble, man. Okay. They're going to get a bad draw with their draft seed because they have to be a wild card because the Chiefs are going to win the division. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I'm not worried about it yet. You're delusional. I'm not worried about it yet. Let's let's wait for the postseason. Let's see who they play. Because if they get like Pittsburgh in the first round, I wouldn't be worried about it. Pittsburgh's not even gonna make the playoffs. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be upset with that because then then Indy will definitely get in at that point. But Pitt just lost to the Raiders. They just lost to the Oakland freaking Raiders, dude. Like, so is Pittsburgh your worst loss? Yeah, probably. I mean, Oakland's one of the worst teams, one of the two worst teams in the league. Probably the worst team in the league, to be honest with you. And and 
really the only thing that could pretty much be worse is no nothing's worse <laughs> john gruden's trash yeah i agree with you the steelers losing that game it was garbage it was absolute complete and utter garbage they don't deserve a playoff spot the steelers should just go away don't even play the rest of the year if they don't get the playoff spots does mike tomlin get fired yes yay finally yeah finally you'll be you'll be so excited it's okay don't worry then what's going to happen is Hugh Jackson's <laughs> going to hire Justin. him as his first assistant. <laughs> so Marvin Lewis is going to be director of player personnel for the for the Bengals. Hugh Jackson will be the head coach. And then Mike Tomlin will be part of the incompetent trifecta <laughs> in Cincinnati. It'll all be fine. Uh, poor Andy Dalton. Yeah, I know, it. right? So uh, let's, let's go over your where, where you were right. Real quick, just so you guys know, there used to be a 20-minute argument <laughs> in this spot between Chris and I, a heated one, about the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos. You're not going to hear that because our equipment decided to screw it up for us. Matt kept fucking with his mic. I think it was just that your computer was so appalled that you were saying nice things about the Tennessee Titans and trying to make it sound like they were better than the Broncos. <laughs> That it was like, nope, I can't do this shit. But anyway. I just think it's your mic was appalled at the smell that, you know, your breath things smells a lot I like John right. Elway's My ass. breath smells like correctness. <laughs> things I was okay. right about in terms of correctness. <laughs> Pat Mahomes, top 10 quarterback. Uh-huh. The Cleveland Browns being an absolute, complete and utter disaster. Which, up until the moment that they fired Hugh Jackson, they completely were. Now they're just like a step above complete and utter disaster. There's at least a little promise. But I've been saying all year there's promise on their roster. Just this season was going to be a shit show for them. And uh, they're definitely not going to win more than six and a half games. So I'm going to get my bottle of Jameson. It's going to be wonderful. Other things that I was right about. Watson. Watson. The Bucks are awful. <laughs> I still don't think that counts. Awful. It definitely counts. <laughs> It definitely counts. Tampa is horrible. And uh, that might be it. I'm not going to lie to you. I was right about less stuff than I thought I was. So I had the Cowboys. Now, I said Dak Prescott would be a top five QB. He's not a top five QB, but he's a lot better than I think a lot of people thought he would be. Yeah, I think you're right. So about I can't, that. I can't. I'm not gonna take full credit for that one, but I will say that I, I, I have been riding the Dak bandwagon all season. So I'm riding not... the Dak all year, <laughs> riding the Dak so hard, <laughs> right, in, right, in Big D, right. Oh yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> oh boy, um, I was right about Carolina, semi right about the Steelers. I'm trying to think. I mean, I can't really take credit for saying that the Patriots were going to be good. Ooh, I forgot a huge one. Oh, and Phillip Rivers. I was right about Phillip Rivers. I was right about the Saints, man. Saints-Pats was my preseason Super Bowl pick. It's looking pretty freaking good right now. Did we agree on that? Uh, Nope. Who did I have in the Super Bowl for the NFC? I had Packers. Pretty I had sure Patriots-Packers. Packers. Fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, I'm half right. <laughs> well, that's on the side of things you're wrong about. <laughs> but the biggest thing I was wrong about is, and I'm going to 
apologize now to all you Giants fans out there that had to listen to me talk about how taking a running back at the second pick in the draft with clear-cut franchise quarterbacks on the board and a league centered solely around passing the ball, that it was one of the worst draft picks I'd ever seen. Saquon Barkley was a fantastic number two pick. I was very wrong about that. I was right about Baker Mayfield. That was the other one. I couldn't Mm -hmm. remember. I was dead wrong about the Falcons. I think we were all dead wrong about the Falcons. The Packers. Aaron Rodgers winning MVP. I think I said that he was going to win it unanimously. I was a little gung-ho on that one. Oh, right about Andrew Luck, because I said he'd win comeback player of the year. I think we both agreed on that one, unless you had somebody else in mind. But that one I was right about. Dead wrong about Seattle, who you've said off pod were the San Antonio Spurs of the NFL. Yes. You were wrong about Cincinnati, sir. Yeah, well, it looked like I was going to be right about Cincinnati for about the first eight weeks, and then all of a sudden the train went off the rails. Well, they hired your favorite coach in the league. so Thank goodness they brought in Hugh to really right the ship there. If I could take, because I think I, I had it set up in, in our rundown that it was like if you could take one of your preseason things back, would yours be Saquon Barkley? Would that be like the one that you want back? That's 100% the one because he is that special. And in, not to not to backtrack, like not to backpedal on it. You but, backpedal. But I did say, when I did my Maddie's Toilet Take about this, I did very specifically say, basically, unless the running back you're taking is Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson, or Jim Brown, it's not worth it. It he's, looks like he they got that guy. He's like all of them in one like the dude's incredible. He's the best running back I've ever watched play football. You sound like Bill Simmons. It's not close. He's he's amazing. He can't he be really ta- is. he can't be tackled. No, he's he, incredible. To he watch. hits the hole with such ferocity. He changes he's patient with his blocks. He's a great pass catcher. I don't know that I I can't think of anyone I've ever watched that was that good. I mean, maybe like AP, Peak, Ladanian, Tomlinson, like those guys at their best were like what Saquon is as a rookie. So the one thing that I have to take back, and I don't want to, and it's bothered me all year, Blake Boros is not a top 10 quarterback. <laughs> Oh, so satisfying. Can you cut that audio out for me and just save it in a little file so that every time you text me, my phone will play the sound of you saying Blake Bortles is not a top 10 quarterback? Yes, Blake Bortles is not a top 10 quarterback. Duh. Everybody else knew he wasn't a top 10 quarterback. Look, man, he had he had moments this year yep. against New England. He had moments. He had a lot of moments. He had moments. He had his helmet on. On the sideline, watching Cody Kessler play quarterback. That's okay. Somebody will pick him up. Somebody will take him. He'll start again. And he'll be awful there, too. Hopefully in New York, because that would be amazing. That would be so bad. That would be awesome. Be, Odell Beckham Jr. will have him floating. He has a better arm than Eli Manning. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> if Blake Bortles goes to play quarterback for the New York football giants next year, Odell Beckham's people... 
will have him with cinder blocks tied around his legs at the bottom of the Hudson before the end of preseason. In all seriousness, no, I don't think he's going to New York. I actually think that'd be a great place for Joe Flacco, but that's a totally a conversation that's for another day. I said that. Did you really? Yes. When? Oh my goodness! Did you say it on your podcast? Move on. Move on to the next thing. Did you say I it on find, this podcast? Well, I find the text message that wherein I said that that was the perfect place for Joe Flacco. Oh, you said it in text. I don't read your text messages. It was in the huddle group <laughs> text. You're literally supposed to read it. For well, I'm the sure. Podcast. I'm sure. I just went. I'm sure. I just went. I already had that idea, and I just you know ignored it. Um, so. Are we good with questions? Are you good with questions? Fire away. Let's go. All right. So this is more of like, this is a question, but it was, I wanted to make it a topic, but I realized that it's the way that I had to bring it up had to be in questions. So have we reached a new normal where investigative reporting is defined by looking up old tweets of athletes to see if you are more virtuous than they were as teenagers? Have we reached such a low point in our media and society that we have constantly we have to constantly try to tear everyone who achieves something greater down just to make ourselves feel better? I'm referring to the Kyler Murray thing where the guy do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I A couldn't possibly care any less about the story, about what he said and when he said it, about Kyler Murray winning the Heisman. The Heisman Trophy doesn't mean anything anymore. It's irrelevant. Heisman Trophy winner does not mean productive athlete as a professional. So I don't care. I don't think that Kyler Murray is ever going to be a good NFL player. I don't think that he even should have won the Heisman. I don't think that we should be looking at what people say when they're 13 years old on social media and they're stupid and they don't know anything about the world and using it to tarnish their image or diminish them. Yeah. If you're 19 and in college and fucking tweeting that stuff out, or if you're in a frat and you're sexually assaulting women, like the guy who's about to be our Supreme Court justice. Yeah. I want to know about that stuff. And yes, it impacts what I think about you. If you're a dumb kid and you said something stupid on social media, let me tell you right now, if I ever run for elected office and somebody does a deep dive into my social media self at 11 years old, they're probably going to find that I said some dumb shit. We all did. Everybody puts dumb stuff on social media. It's part of being the first generation to have it. So to sit here and tell me that that's, that's supposed to matter to me, it, it just doesn't on any level. I hate the story. I hate everyone talking about it. Who cares? I just want to know why that's considered news. It's because our media is such absolute garbage. And I, and I say that in the most eloquent way, eloquent way possible. Because not only do they not understand how to differentiate between fluff and news, they don't know how to write about it properly because now it's all about getting a story out as quickly as possible, not about quality of content. So... Things like perspective and nuance don't exist in reporting anymore, both sports and news. So I don't know that there's a single journalist out there uh, really that does actual rep- like reporting that I have an ounce of respect for anymore. I think it's all just opinion pieces now. It is 100%. They mask it. Everything is op-ed. Quote-unquote journalism. 
I 0% care about any of it. And I'm so tired of the media just doing anything for it. Literally every single media member basically just acts like they work for TMZ. TMZ is the new normal for media of all forms. Agreed. And it's pathetic. It's at guys like guys like Bob Ryan are rolling in their not underground graves because Bob Ryan's still alive. He looks dead, but But, he's still alive. (laughs) But like, just think about the guys that we grew up with. All right. So like Bob Ryan was a little before our time, but you know, like for me, it was Simmons writing thousand word articles on a subject, you know, or Bill Riley. All these guys used to Lupica. My, yeah, Lupica. Right, really good articles, sports articles, in depth. Like now, everything's a single paragraph. Mm-hmm. Everything's a how fast can you get me 300 words on subject X. Exactly. With a catchy byline. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is no concept of what good reporting is anymore and what news is and what isn't. So I, I don't care. It's an absolute disgrace to the craft. And honestly, the problem is that the public eats it up, man. Yep. The public just continues to allow themselves to be spoon-fed until they're fat enough to be slaughtered. I'm satisfied. Should the Eagles bench Carson Wentz for Nick Foles? No. God, no. No, no, no. Um, Unless you tell me that he's... Now, I take that back. If we go on our theory, or at least my theory where I said that I think we've got an Aaron Rodgers situation where he's like 75% healthy, I say yes. Because at this point, your season's over. Even though Richard thinks they're still going to make the postseason. But their season's over. I would bench him. The same thing, like why Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, I have no earthly idea. It makes literally no sense. Because he's playing for nothing. It it right now it means nothing. His season means nothing. So he should be sitting. Carson Wentz should be sitting. So yeah, you know what? Bench him for Nick Foles. Why not? If nothing else, you could at least trade Nick. Try to trade Nick Foles again and get some. Need draft I picks. remind you that Nick Foles is the reigning Super Bowl MVP, and the Eagles under Carson Wentz's direction have been really poor this year. What do you have to lose exactly? Well, they were really bad under Nick Foles early on in the season too. Yeah, because Nick Foles is awful. <laughs> I think it just, it, it was just fun to play around with because he's so bad. Because Foles is, you know, Big Dick, Big Dick Nick is, is an awful quarterback and nobody thought that last year. And it just makes me happy. I feel vindicated. So is that it? Was that you just wanted to take another shot at Nick Foles? Yeah, that's absolutely. the whole point of this question. Okay, absolutely. I just wanted to. Well, I mean, and it's a legitimate question because Wentz has been really bad. He has been. He's he's yeah. He just has not been good. Um. All right. So I have a sports related question, then a non sports related question. Do you want me to keep it with the sports ones, and then I'll do? Don't care. The non sports. away. All right. Cool. We'll just stay with sports then. Uh, did the Saints peak too early? Last two weeks, team has struggled against the Cowboys, and your Buccaneers. I have felt it. Drew Brees cost me a fantasy playoffs this week. 
I'm wondering, is there a team that needs home field more than the Saints? And I know we talked about Los Angeles, but the Saints are like bipolar. Yeah. This is going to play in really nicely to my next question, actually. Oh, okay. I don't know that they peaked too early, but I do think that we are starting to see from these teams, and we've seen it with the Falcons, where Matty Ice and Julio have been just absolutely carrying that team all year. And the same thing with Goff and the Rams. We are seeing season fatigue. The guys are getting burnt out. You just can't conceivably do that at that level for 16 straight weeks. So I think we'll probably see a little drop off in the last couple of weeks with some of these guys, with some of these teams, the Saints especially. Um, But I think getting playoff seeds locked up this week and then being able to rest the last two weeks or week of the year to then turn around and have a bye and play a home playoff game, I think we're going to see them jump right back into it. I'm, I'm not concerned in the in the context of the playoff picture. But they've definitely tapered off the last couple of weeks. I mean, Drew Brees in particular. It seems really too bad that Des Bryant got hurt now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like, Traquan Smith can't get... Separation. He, he can't. can't catch a ball. He hasn't well, caught a ball. Well, that too. But, but I mean, he, he nothing. Like, literally nothing, no matter what. Somehow, Michael Thomas is the only one that can catch a pass, that can get open and catch a pass for that team. And I think that it really is going to be a struggle for them if they can't get one of those other receivers to step up. It's okay. Don't fall asleep. Well, try not to. Okay, cool. Um, Is there any playoff team that you feel certain will win their first round matchup? Am I allowed to put it in context of who they play or I'm just supposed to say flat out? Like, Yeah, but I mean... Right now with the way they're going, the way they're playing, Dallas. Truly. Dallas, maybe Seattle. Maybe Seattle in the NFC. In the AFC... Man, I don't want to say it. But they're in the Dallas a- is going to win their division and probably play Seattle. Will they though? Seattle's making a wild card. If Seattle makes it, it's a wild card. Yeah, I mean, but there's no guarantee that they'll be the fifth seed. They could they, Seattle could drop and be a sixth seed. I mean, you know, we don't know yet. One of the, the uh, um, well, because the Cowboys, I don't know if they, I don't think the Cowboys will catch the Bears. Unless the sure. Cowboys went out. Yeah, so the Cowboys are going to be the four. Yeah, so I'm saying it, it, it would depend on if Seattle's the five or so six. They're gonna, it's probably going to be Seattle and Dallas. Okay, so then I won't, then I'll nix that one because that's too difficult for me. Um, because I could I could see either. That would actually be a great playoff game. The fact that we've been talking about it for five minutes and we haven't come up with a single team that we feel absolutely no, 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 confident. No, 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 I'm just, is I, win the no, because all I was thinking says, was, because I was trying to give you one for each conference. Um, so I'll, Get you out of the NFC. AFC, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It pisses me off. Houston. Is definitely going to win their first round matchup. Yes, because they would end up playing the sixth seed. No, 
I take that back. Because what if the Colts are the six I, I was just about to say, you know what? I take that back. The answer to the question is there's not one team in the playoff picture this year. New England. If New, can... Eng- if New England drops, if New England drops to the three seed, which is a possibility, I would take New England. Over the Chargers? Yes. As much as it pains me, I would take New England. It's New England. I've, I've said it on my podcast. I've said it on this podcast. I don't Until feel, somebody knocks them off. I don't feel that confident, though. Like, I wouldn't. But they'd be at home. I don't know, man. There, my, my point to the question was, I think this is the first year that I can remember where there's not one single team going into the playoffs where I'm like, they're going to the conference championship. Oh, see, I disagree. I think I think the Saints, I would... I know I just asked you that question, but I would I would bet that the Saints will make it to the conference championship. Whether or not they make it to the Super Bowl is a completely different story. Same thing with New England. I will bet that New England meet, makes it to the AFC championship game. I don't feel that confident in any of them. And we, we know Kansas City's fallible because they can't play defense. Which is why I didn't say Kansas City. Yeah. But Kansas City's probably the closest thing that I have to a lock. Well, it's just because I don't know if there's it, there may not be another team that can keep up with them offensively. Mm-hmm. But what okay, else you got? all right, yeah. So this one is completely not sports related. Best Christmas movie and most overrated Christmas movie. Ooh, I wish that I had, had time. This is one of those questions that we do that I'm like, oh, I wish we didn't do questions as not prepared questions. Oh, sorry. Best Christmas movie is really hard for me because Christmas movies are one of my favorite things. All right, give me your top five. Um, I'll change the question. The original Grinch. Okay. Cartoon Grinch. Don't talk to me about Jim Carrey. Certainly don't talk to me about whatever the new trash is. Um, Rudolph and the Island of Misfit Toys. Okay, so the claymation Play, Rudolph the Claymation right, style. The one that Huffington Post said is bigoted and misogynistic and all that stuff. 100% that one. Okay. <laughs> um, Home Alone. Yes. Mm, if you only got a top three, that's Frosty. fine. Frosty. The original. Yeah. Okay. Original. And what's my other favorite one? I don't really care for a Christmas story. That one's overrated. Is that your most overrated? Yeah, probably. Um, and I really love, shoot, what's my other favorite? Polar Express. The Polar Express is good, but meh. I'll be honest with you, I'm not so sure that I have a fifth favorite, but we just watched one um, that was just Kurt Russell plays Santa. Oh, the one on Netflix? Dude. I haven't watched that yet. Watch it. Okay. So freaking good. Right. So good, I was really, I was really impressed. What do you think? What, what, do you? I feel like you had. There was a reason you asked me that. Question. No, I honestly just wanted to do something since you know we're not going to do one. We're not going to do another podcast again before Christmas. So I wasn't trying to ask it for you to turn around and be like, "So what's yours?" The Christmas Chronicles. Um, that one is called. Okay. Really good. Um, but yeah, my top five would be the Santa Claus. Ooh, I forgot about the Santa Claus. Throw that one in my top five. Um, that one actually might be my favorite. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. <sighs> Damn, man! I because I did not prepare this at all, so I got to think. The original Grinch I will put down as well because that's that's a good. What do you got? I forgot about Elf. 
See, I think that one's overrated, <laughs> to be honest with you. I like Elf. I just think the way people... the pe People have talked about that movie like it's like a 40-year-old classic. And it drives me nuts. But Elf is good. Die Hard? Don't shake your head. Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and it's one of the best Christmas movies of all time. It is absolutely not. Why is Die Hard not a Christmas movie? It's an action movie. It's not a Christmas movie. Is it set around Christmas? Just because that happens to be the time frame that it happens does not mean that it is a Christmas movie. A Christmas movie implies that it he has something writes. to do it does. with the spirit of Christmas it at is. the center of the story. The center of the story is that the good guy wins and the bad guy loses. No. <laughs> so. Sorry, not a Christmas movie. <laughs> um, my number five... I just had it, and I just lost it. Jingle All the Way is up there, though. I absolutely love that movie. It is stupid as hell. About Arnold Schwarzenegger? The Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad movie? Jesus. Come on, man. I would rather watch A Muppet's Christmas Carol than Jingle All the Way. Don't say that too loud. My wife will hear you. She loves that movie. Um, <laughs> you don't like Jingle All the Way, really? Horrible. That's not really my fifth one, though. That would be like six. I, I literally lost my fifth one. It's bugging me. Oh, The Flintstones Christmas Carol. That's what it is. Oh, you like that one? I love that one. I love uh, that one. I, like, I, like, I like the Mickey one. I like the Mickey one. Oh, the Mickey one's awesome. Yeah. The Mickey's a classic. Yeah, man. Rudolph. Oh, man. I forgot about Charlie Brown. I'm not a Charlie Brown person. There's so many good Christmas movies. Christmas movies are my favorite movies. For the record, Rotten Tomatoes ranks Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Rotten Tomatoes is... You actually go by Rotten Tomatoes? No. Okay, good. Because I hate Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes also gave the new Spider-Man cartoon 100%. You know, Rotten Tomatoes as a rating system was horrible. I'm just saying they categorized it as a Christmas movie. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, wow. They got something right. I like It's a Wonderful Life. I just... And I know it is a Christmas movie. I just feel like it's not so much a Christmas movie. I literally just saw it for the first time this year. You've never seen It's a Wonderful Life? No, I never How watched it before. How do you function as an adult I've human? also never seen A Christmas Story. No, A Christmas Story is not worth seeing. But It's a Wonderful Life, no, I had never sat down and watched it. And it was on Amazon Prime, and I sat down and I watched it like two like weeks ago. The dude's like suicidal, and he's about to it's jump a off a bridge, it, it, and then all of a sudden he has this life-changing experience and an epiphany, and then he... It's my number two rated movie of all time. I just watched Dude, it. Dude, I can't believe you just watched <laughs> that just for the first it. time ever. Yeah, I had never watched the it The movie lover that you are. Yeah, no, I had never seen it. It's right behind the Santa Claus. In, Un unreal. The only reason why the Santa Claus is ahead of it is because that's I watched that with my dad every Christmas. So that's tradition. But what do you got? You got anything else? I really don't. I do. Go ahead. Is Aaron Rodgers washed up? No. Didn't I ask you that last time? Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to ask it again. <laughs> He's not washed up. No, we don't really have to talk about how sad Aaron Rodgers is. Well, actually, is. since you brought him up, who would you like to see as his next head coach? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's going to have to be a freaking messiah to lead this team Can out it be of John pit. Harbaugh or Jim? No. Why not? Aaron Rodgers is a prickly motherfucker. Yeah, on have you best, met Jim on his, Harbaugh? On his best day. <laughs> yeah, right. The two of them are going to clash. 
Aaron, Aaron Rodgers needs somebody even keel, level-headed. Do you think it's going to be a pro or a college coach? It's really hard to say because there aren't there just aren't any good pro prospects. And how is Aaron Rodgers going to respond to a guy who's never coached in the NFL before? Like if for some reason Pete Carroll was available, I think that would be the perfect coach for Aaron Rodgers. I heard Bruce Arians' name being floated around, which wouldn't be the worst idea. I don't think. Bruce Arians is basically Andy Reid light. Okay. I don't know if that works either. I so, don't know. So do you think Aaron Rodgers is uncoachable? I think it's possible that he's uncoachable. I think that he didn't wasn't able to establish a relationship with Brett Favre while he was there. Not just, and everybody made that out to be Brett Favre's fault. It was Brett Favre's fault. Knowing what we know about Aaron Rodgers now, though, do you really believe that? Because I don't. I don't believe that it was just Brett Favre was like, fuck this young guy. Because it's not like Aaron Rodgers was the first young quarterback to play with Brett to to look to sit under Brett Favre. I, I don't think it was only it was I think it was it was a mutual disdain for each other. I don't think it was just hundred percent Brett Favre. Yeah. Cause Aaron Rodgers is an arrogant prick. I don't think he's a prick. Dude. What? Do you see it listen to him talk to reporters and stuff like like I would not want to play with that guy. Why? Look at his face after a failed possession, and then compare it. Here's oh, here's here how I go. here's how I think about it. Okay. The reason that I think that Pat Mahomes is like Steph Curry is demeanor. Did you see that stupid Bleacher Report article? Of course you did. I saw. I literally saw that, and I turned off my phone. I closed my phone and said, "I'm done with Facebook for the day." Because I saw that. That was like the first article I read the other day. Anyway, is so much of it. So much of it is demeanor, that kind of innocent looking, like you know, boyish grin, but with a killer instinct hidden behind it. But everything rolls off their shoulders. You never see Curry when Draymond does something stupid or KD goes in and takes an eighteen footer. Instead of moving the ball in the offense, you never see Steph always taking shots at KD. Got to won a podcast at least. You never see Steph look up at the rafters in in disdain, or or roll his eyes, or or anything like that. Like you don't see that frustration in his teammates' performance from him. You don't see that in Pat Mahomes. You don't even really ever see it in Brady. Even Brady stays pretty stone-faced on the field. And I mean, he's emotionless is what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's letting stuff roll off. I'm sure he's chewing guys out on the side and, and, and all that stuff. But like, but then you look at Big Ben, and if one of Big Ben's receivers misses a pass... Do not compare Big Ben with Aaron Rodgers. That's not fair. He makes a face that clearly says, I did my job, you suck. And that is the face that Aaron Rodgers makes on every single play, except for when he's throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers may make the face, but he never calls out his team publicly. He does not call out his teammates. Ben Roethlisberger does at every opportunity. Well, yeah. Ben, but I'm just saying in, it's in the, in the same line as that. Yeah, Ben is a total douche. We know that. It's well documented. Look at his police records. I will say that my infatuation with Aaron Rodgers has lessened a little bit he's the anti-andrew luck i know like he aaron Rodgers is not superman he's lex luther 
all right, man, why don't you just, you know, this is supposed to be Christmas. We're supposed to be happy. <laughs> and you're just kind of ruining my, my flow here. Well, you did tell me that Die Hard was a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. So I'm going to blow up your Aaron <sighs> Rodgers love here. All right, we've got like five minutes left. I want to do a quick basketball question for you. Please. We haven't talked basketball in forever. Your top five players in the league right now. Go. Luka Doncic. Shut <laughs> your face. I didn't say who will win rookie of the year. <laughs> Oh, oh God, that was awesome. That was awesome. I love that you set me up for that. I just, oh, it warms my heart. It warms my heart. Um, That's a really difficult question this year because Steph has missed so much time with injury. Prior to Steph's injury, it was Steph number one this year. Is he the MVP? If he stops missing games. If he... Let's say he doesn't get injured the remainder of the season. Is he the MVP? Yeah. If he's playing like that, absolutely. Okay. The only way that that's not true is if the Milwaukee Bucks take the one seed in the Eastern Conference and win like 63 games or something absolutely ridiculous. Then Giannis is the MVP. Um, so I, I don't know that I can give you an order of top five. No, just but give, I can me, give, give me a, like I can a top give you five. A top, so Steph, when he's played, Giannis... Um, Kawhi, LeBron, yeah. and um, I'm sorry, it's hurting me that I can't think of the other name. Anthony Davis? No. What team? Shit. Kevin Durant. God, no. Obviously not. <laughs> Obviously not. How is Kevin Durant now a top five player? Because he hasn't been. Oh, okay. Because he is... Wait. So you have you have Kawhi, you have Kawhi, and, uh, Kawhi, LeBron, yeah, um, Giannis. Oh, Steph, Joel Embiid. Embiid, really? Embiid, dude. I've watched a bunch of Sixers games this I year. I was waiting for you to tell me Jimmy Butler. So I watched. No, God, no, <laughs> no, no. I love Jimmy. He's a top fifteen player. He's not a top five player. Joel Embiid is the first big man that can just absolutely dominate the post in this way since Shaq. I I will agree with that. And as much as he's not shooting the three ball well, he's defending as well as he ever has. He's been an absolute workhorse. He's playing way too many minutes. He has been the best player on the floor Pretty much every game I've watched him play, regardless of who he's playing against. Okay. All right. The only guy, I mean, I'm a little remiss to put Steph in there just because of games missed. I know, he's missed a lot, unfortunately. It's really hard. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard to, but I mean, like. He's been incredible, though, when he's out there. Yeah. It's, it's hard to leave out Anthony Davis. But he's also missed time and, frankly, hasn't been stupendous it's not like he's been otherworldly like we kind of come to expect from him um i would say a couple of runners up that are or some un, unsuspected unexpected really good players this year who could be all-stars or all nba guys kemba walker demar Derozan. very surprised at how both of those guys have played this year um you know who's not good, though? 
Kuzma? No, Kuzma's pretty good. I mean, he's been playing well. Basically, the entire Chicago Bulls organization. <laughs> Except for Zach Levine. What do you mean? Zach Levine is at the, is at the very peripheral of the center of the problem. I just love playing with him on 2K, man. You can't let your 2K bias. I'm just saying he's so much fun to play with. That you support the terrible <laughs> Zach Levine. All right, give me your give me three the three most overrated players in the league. Three right most now. overrated players in the league right now. If you can give me five, you can give me five. I was just trying Kevin to Durant's number one. Oh my word! Stop, man. Overrated. Oh, how is he overrated? Overrated. How? <laughs> How is he overrated? Why do you hate him so much right now? Oh, man. I hate Kevin Durant more than anybody in the NBA. I don't know why. Except for Jabari Parker. Fuck you, Jabari. <laughs> uh, overrated. I don't... Are you serious about Kevin Durant? No. Oh, okay. He's 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 top 10, but he's... You know, I hate, hate him. him. That's fine. Two finals MVPs, but it's no big deal. doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Those don't mean anything. Al Horford. Oh, Al. Al Horford. Ben Simmons. Thank you. Okay, that's that was what I was hoping. I was hoping you were going to say his name. Okay, good. And uh, making sure I'm not the only one. Damian Lillard. Those are my three most overrated. All right. Because there are three guys that Al Al has gone from being underappreciated to way overvalued. And frankly, I've not been impressed with him in any capacity this year. I think that if he were up to his level from last season, this Boston team would not have had such a slump. I knew it was going to be a slow start, but I mean, 25 games is cutting it pretty close, guys. Like, you're almost at a point where you got to start worrying about whether or not you're going to be able to contend this year, whether you can turn it around in time to do that. Right. Um, In terms of Ben Simmons, honestly, ever since they added Butler, Ben Simmons is kind of not necessary. Like, I almost, I mean, you can't do this because you just don't know how good Ben Simmons is eventually going to be. But at this point, with literally no jump shot at all, I almost wonder if they'd be better off making a trade and using Ben Simmons to land an absolute haul and building around Joel Embiid in the last few years of Jimmy Butler's contract. Because with Simmons, you could be waiting five years for him to develop into an even passable NBA shooter. Yeah, his shot's ugly. And Jimmy and Joel both need the ball. Like, Joel's already complaining about the way that he's being used in Brett Brown's offense. I heard about that. You know, which I understand. He was, he's been one of the, I mean, it's not like his numbers have dropped that much, but he was one of the most dominant players in the league for the first quarter of the season, you know, by a mile. And then it's so hard not to say, Dane, the guy can't play a lick of defense. He's an inefficient shooter. He takes pull up jump shots from everywhere. And if he gets hot, he hits, he's streaky as hell. There are nights where Dame could be the guy that wins the game for you single-handedly, but there are also plenty of other nights where I wonder if they shouldn't just trade him and ride with C.J. McCollum. The Portland Trailblazers should be better if Dame were as good as everybody thinks he is. Is Golden State going to win the finals? Yeah. Okay. I was just checking. I was just seeing how far your Kevin Durant hate went. I, I was just asking. Listen. 
Golden State could trade Kevin Durant right now and still win the finals this year with ease. Because Boogie's going to come back and they're going to start. Oh, no, here we go. DeMarcus Cousins. Can I say that is the one negative that I have about my Warriors is that they have Boogie Cousins. They have Boogie Cousins. I don't like him. And you love him. Kevin Durant's the biggest douchebag on the planet. He doesn't fit with that team at all. He doesn't he's, buy into their system at all. He's not a bigger dude. Draymond guy. Green kicks dudes in the balls and gets more technical fouls than Dennis Rodman. And you're going to tell me that Boogie Cousins is the only problem with that team? DeMarcus he's, Cousins has been the portrait of a professional since he arrived in Golden State. And he will elevate them to a level that they were not capable of before he I'm got not there. saying that his basketball talent is not going to elevate them to an absurdly high level. But the thing is, there's nobody there who's going to give in to a DeMarcus Cousins tantrum. It's not going to be a problem because no one is going to validate that behavior. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. No one's a bigger douchebag than LeBron James. I'm sorry, that's not even I'm sorry, but I totally disagree with you. LeBron is who LeBron has always been. We have always known him to be. He's never tried to be anything else. He has never apologized for it. Kevin Durant lied to everybody. And pretended that he was this backpack toting Rucker Park scoring he didn't 50 points. I was. love basketball guy. That's who he was. And then he sold out. He didn't sell out. Went to an existing championship winning team. And not only did he go there so he could play a higher brand of basketball, which he did, he didn't, though, because the moment that he got there, that team changed. And yes, they still won a title. Two. And yes, they still won another title. But at no point, and at no point, on the court. has that team played the same way that they did before he got there, Agreed. except for when he's been out with injury. And at all of those times, they have not been anywhere near as exciting to watch as the Golden State Warriors pre-Kevin Durant. Everything about the Warriors and the essence of how they were built and what they became was soiled the moment that Kevin Durant got there. And the Draymond Green incident is a prime example of why he doesn't belong there and we will all be better off after he is gone. Such a hater. Such a hater. I'm right, though. But you are, but you're not. The guy has become so full of himself that he doesn't believe that he needs to play within Steve Kerr and the Warriors system, the higher brand of basketball. If you were going to do that, just stay in freaking Oklahoma City and you could just fight with Westbrook all the time instead of Draymond. But he didn't want to fight with Westbrook anymore. Well, now he's going to go to New York and fight with nobody because nobody's going to play with him on the. In, and who in called New York. that? This guy right here. I told you I that. I still think it's idiocy, but the more I learn about Kevin Durant and the person that he's become. Why is that idiocy, though? Because you're never going to win a title in New York if you're Kevin Durant. You don't know that. I 100% know that. Mm-mm. Who's it going to be? Him and Frankie Smokes and Tim Hardaway Jr. in the no, shell of, in the shell of Christoph Porzingis. Kyrie is not going anywhere. Okay. Kyrie is going to play in Boston. You also told me Kevin Durant years. wasn't going to New York. So, I'm just saying. I still don't think it makes any sense. I told you Kyrie and Kevin would go to New York. I said that two I, years I'm, ago. I'm honestly just hoping that Kevin Durant goes to New York so that we can enjoy watching the Warriors play basketball again. Oh, I don't think he's staying in Golden State. I'm, I'm almost convinced he's going elsewhere. I don't think they want him to stay in Golden State. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, because the, the, those whole two championships, back-to-back, two finals MVPs. I wouldn't want him on my team either because he yeah. all he does is— He stole is, finals MVPs from Curry. Curry could have won those finals MVPs. Curry should have won the first finals MVP, and they gave it to Andre, which still makes no sense. And I love Andre Iguodala, but that made no sense. I'm just saying, if Kevin Durant's not there, the I, Warriors still I probably do win want, two titles. I do want Kevin Durant not to be there anymore. I want Kevin Durant to go to the Washington Wizards. That's fine. He'll win there too. So that he can toil away in infamy. You're so like you're man. You were just like burning with hatred with, for this guy. Yeah, absolutely. He is my least favorite player in all of basketball. You hate hard. I do. Can we talk about me loving hard real quick though? Yes, go right ahead. You can tell me real quick because you're you're kind of bumming me out here. Because watching if you talk about Luka Doncic I'm going to turn off your microphone <laughs> I'm telling you right now that was so uncalled for you want to talk about things I was right about Luka freaking Doncic you're not right yet the season's not over are you kidding me I'm not right yet you need to turn off the football <laughs> you need to stop watching freaking college football and start watching some NBA basketball and catch brush up on your Luka Doncic okay because is this... that guy is for real i listened to your podcast i heard what you had to say yeah you heard me call you out for not watching enough basketball yes I you, you don't know what's going on luka Doncic, 11 straight points and the game winning step back three luka Doncic is everything that james harden ever hoped to be except six inches taller and not a total douchebag and he's got a better chin better jawline he doesn't have to hide it with a big ugly beard and he can play defense and he rebounds Luca is my favorite player, aside from Derrick Rose and Laurie Markkinen in the league right now. What I wanted to talk about before you brought up Luca Doncic, which I appreciate <laughs> you doing that, so I had a window to talk about him, was how much fun it's been to watch the Minnesota Timberwolves since Jimmy Butler left. Cat is playing like a top ten NBA player this year since Jimmy Butler got traded, and Derrick Rose looks like. Obviously, he'll never be MVP Rose again. You just you can't come back from that many knee injuries and be that dominant because he'll never play that way ever again. But he's improved his shot where I think his overall skill level is as high as it's ever been. And he's been a key part of that team in what they've been able to do. I love seeing D Rose be awesome. Is that it? That was it. You got anything else? No. That's good because my battery's at like six percent. Fantastic. So I did, I just didn't know if you wanted to talk some more hate about. Yeah. Kevin so you know, Kevin Durant sucks. Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, and the New York Knicks will never win an NBA championship ever again. Wow, that just went bleak. Boom! Derrick Rose for Sixth Man of the Year. What? Get out of here! Sixth Man of the Year. Sixth Man of the Year. See, I'd argue that only A, I haven't watched basketball, and B, I just got the low battery warning on my computer. So I guess that's going to be it. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life is actually a really, really good Christmas movie. I do have to say. I'm still a little bit embarrassed that you just watched it for the first time at 30 years old. I, I don't see what the big deal is. You know, people watch movies at different points in their lives. You know, I just. I'm a little behind the times. I mean, if you really want to be upset, I didn't watch Forrest Gump until I was like 20. No, I'm still not going to forgive you because you still haven't seen Cars. You're 30 years <laughs> old right, and you still haven't seen, seen the greatest Pixar movie of all time. 
the Monsters Inc. is the greatest Pixar movie of all time. You haven't seen Cars, so don't talk to me until you do. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Huddle Podcast brought to you by the Soundline Network. You can find Matt at Matthew Danilik. Make sure you check out Manny's Toilet Takes on iTunes. Subscribe, review, whatever else you're supposed to do on iTunes. I can't remember right now because I'm exhausted. Uh, the Valley Sports Talk Pod will be on this week. Uh, it will be released Friday. It's a very special episode with my good friend Austin. Don't miss it. We will be back after Christmas but before the new year to do one last podcast for 2018. Talk to you all again in a few weeks. Oh.